With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Game of Thrones with Jay, Jack, and Nick. My name is Jay. I'm Nick. And I'm the Magic Wine Glass. And welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Good. Uh, for those that uh, are like, where the hell is Nick? Uh, still working on internet issues, so we're actually calling him from a landline. Uh, so we apologize for any audio quality issues on Nick's end. Uh, but Nick's problem... Nick's problem, winter is coming. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Nick's on the other side of the wall. He's with the Wildlings right now. And, I should uh, have I, I, landline. I should have said swinging Ollie. That's what I should have said. That honestly, that would have been funnier. Um, it would have been funnier because no, I, no one understands the magic wine glass reference. But no, I totally got it, and I was wondering if I was the only one who noticed that. Yeah, it was like it was so obvious. Yeah. What? Just the fact that it, the 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 volumes of wine in the glass kept shifting. Well, there'd be no wine. Then there'd be a little wine. Then there'd be a little more wine. Then there'd be no wine. It just kept who cares. Stuff like, I do, because that bugs me. It takes away from the scene. Not that it was an important scene. Yeah, they, they go from winning best show to, you know, producers need to be on top of that. Come on. Yeah, because you got people yeah. like me and Nick that are looking going, what's to do with the wine glass? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, uh, another uh, really good episode. Like, every episode's yeah. a part of the season. And then we had the, uh, uh, what's, what's the tower called? Uh, the thing Nick's been talking about since he was first tower on the show. Of, tower of Terror. Yeah, the Tower of Joy. The Tower of <laughs> Joy uh, uh, story that um, uh, Nick has been talking about since he first came on the show, which I'm sure will maybe go into a little bit more detail in the what happens in the book stays in the book. Um, I'm sure, but well, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, they they pretty much covered it in the show, so mm-hmm. there's not really much to to say other than like little slight differences. But. Cool. Well, that's exciting, right? Don't. Don't give it away. We want people to stick around till the end. We want to go like, oh, it's not really a big deal, but uh, I'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> could, could, couldn't people just skip ahead till the end? Well, no. I mean, because uh, they're probably it's driving. Not, it's a bit harder to skip ahead, so they want to stick it's around. Not, it's, it's not like this is live. 
listen, you want to create the illusion that it's live, right? If they're it's like a, it's like you know, it's almost like you're a sporting event where one team's winning by forty at halftime. You know, other teams have come back in the last, you know, second half. Remember that Buffalo Bills Houston game? Don't give up. Don't leave. <laughs> it happens every day. Um, but uh, excited to talk here about uh, the third episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, the pieces keep moving, and it's exciting to see where they are going. Um, but before we get into that, we want to uh, send a special thanks to the people that make this show and all of our other shows at Jane Jack Productions possible, and that's our patrons. And you can become a patron today over at patreon.com slash janejack. Or if you go to our website, janejack.com, click on the Become a Patron link and become one of our 130-plus patrons uh, that all contribute different amounts to the show. $1 to uh, $500 um, uh, helps make this show possible. And there's different levels. Like if you contribute $5 a month, you get access to our special Facebook page just for patrons. Then you also get an exclusive monthly patron choice show. The patrons actually pick out the show, which is really cool. Um, at $15 a month, we do a Hangout where we hang out on uh, Google Hangouts with everybody that wants to join in. Um, so a lot of cool stuff that we do to give thanks, extra thanks to people that do contribute. Um, but we also want to spend a little bit of time each show to say thank you to all of our patrons. Um, because without you, these shows wouldn't be possible. Also, this month's theme for Loot Crate is power. And uh, while Game of Thrones is always a quest for power, uh, this month's uh, Loot Crate uh, features different things like uh, all the things you might see in a, a summer popcorn flick, which was the theme of this month's Patron's Choice Show, by the way. We broke well, down got, all I, the I, summer I, movies. I got Ned Stark's head. <laughs> was that in your box? So that was less, in my box. Less than $20 a month, you get a box of geeky goodness worth $45. Really, if you do the math, you're making money on the deal. Uh, you can sign up today over at lootcrate.com slash Jack. And without any further ado... Nick, why don't you take it away on this week's episode? Absolutely. Great episode. A lot of action. A lot of things going on. Um, it starts off with our opening scene uh, at the wall, and Sir Davos is facing forward towards the camera in utter disbelief. I'm not quite sure if it was because Jon Snow's alive or because Jon Snow was fully naked. We'll, we'll never know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's because he was naked. You think it's because he was naked? That's what I thought, too. I he think looked it was a little good. happy. <clears throat> uh, and then John's looking down at his at his stab wounds, and he kind of freaks out about it. Which who wouldn't, you know? Yeah. And he's he, he's he realizes automatically that he he's come back from the dead because he's like I shouldn't be here. It's like he felt ashamed that he's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, enters Melisandre, uh, and she asks, "What does he remember?" And of course, typical to Jon Snow's character, he knows and remembers nothing. <laughs> you know nothing, John. No, no, nothing. That's right. There, there had to be a few in there, right? Exactly. I, I, I felt that was a, a clear shout out to me. I mean, just, uh, uh, but then of course, uh, Malisandre is like the Lorelot has spared you. Stannis was not the prince that was promised, but someone has to be. Uh, you seem and like a good I, option. Yeah, you're 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 second. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know anything. But I kind of thought it was a little funny because Davos, who in the previous episode is kind of kissing up to her to save John, he kind of like quickly dismisses her, like, "Okay, <laughs> you've done your thing. Get out. <laughs> we don't you've need you. Don't, don't, I've used don't, you. You're done. Yeah, I don't need you filling his head full of that nonsense you did with Stannis. You know, <laughs> just let's just go. Uh, and then he kind of has a. Uh, a moment where he goes, this is just mad, you know, that you're alive. Uh, I can't imagine what you're feeling like. And uh, John 
goes, you know, he's he's just thinking, and he's like, you know, I, I did what I felt was right, and I got murdered for it. And to me, this was almost kind of like he learned uh, what Ned Stark didn't. You know, now that he's back, he you know, he had lived this honor honor bound life the way Ned did and he paid the same price that Ned did but now he's got a second chance at it yeah and he and it, it kind of foreshadows what he does at the end of the episode of just you know I, I've led that life and what and he's thinking about it like what what can I do different now mm-hmm. um, and he's questioning oh, why am I back you know and of course uh, Davos is like what does it matter you know you just need to keep fighting you have to clean up as much of the crap that's out there as you can uh, and that's the end of that little bit there. Mm-hmm. And then John walks out to see the Night's Watch. And to me, this is a nice little scene of levity that kind of needed it because it's such a serious, like, uh, like, oh, my God, this guy just came back from the dead. It could have gone south. Yeah. But uh, uh, Torment Giantsbane, who is kind of now the de facto leader of the Wildlings, approaches, and he breaks the, the tension by saying, you know, they think you're all a god. The man who returned from the dead, to which John, realistically, I'm not a god. Whereas, in if Malfandro had had her way, she probably would have filled his head with "You're a god." Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but then, of course, Giant Spain's like, "I know, I saw your pecker. No god would have a pecker <laughs> that small," <laughs> which is great. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but to your point, it was a, it was a great kind of adding some levity to it, um, and it kind of touched about it a little bit earlier. But him talking about how he didn't nothing happened after he died. Um, I think right. that also drives him a little bit in that he, he has an appreciation for death because he knows at least from his experience, what comes after. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Just, uh, George R. R. Martin, or even now, I guess the show producers view on religion is that it kind of shoots it down a lot mm-hmm. and that, you know, the gods kind of mock us, and you don't know if there's an afterlife or not because they're constantly brought back. And yeah, John's got some definitely some decisions to make, as in what he wants to do with his second chance. Uh, but then John approaches his friend Ed, who has looked out for him, and uh, gives him a hug. And another moment of levity here, you know, he's like, "Your eyes are still brown. Is that is that still you in there?" And he says, <laughs> "Yeah." You know, John's like, don't burn my body just yet. <laughs> and of course, yeah, exactly, because John's been very straightforward and kind of dull like Ned, so he's like, huh, that was funny. Are you sure <laughs> you're still in there? <laughs> yeah. Just a great, great scene. Um, yeah, and the... Um, uh, I, lost, I lost where I was going with it, but um, I'll continue on. I'm sorry. I lost my, my train of thought. Way to go, John I Snow. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was a bit of fan service. In the sense that, oh, if he comes back, is he going to be like a zombie or is he going to be a different person? Right. Um, so it kind of it answers that question to a certain it extent. It really did, yeah. Because kind of like what we had talked about, you weren't sure if he was going to be the Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White kind of character. He seems yeah. to be pretty much Jon Snow Yeah. Uh, for now, anyhow. Other than he's learned... Or a little bit wiser. Mistake, hopefully from his mistake. Or, yeah, or a, a little less naive. Right. Um <clears throat> uh, so well, was, it, was it? A, well, wait. Was it? A, was it a mistake he did, or just he t- was a mistake trusting people? Uh yeah. I think. It, well, it's the classic Ned Stark d- mistake, which is I'm going to do the honorable thing, and the o- honor and truth and valor will win out. 
which generally yeah. doesn't in the world. You have to have a bit of you have to have a bit of you know realism or or, or pessimism or you know not, you can't tr- be totally trusting of the good of people. You have to have a little hold a little bit back. Mm. Play the game a little bit smarter. Right, because I mean, John had the faith in all the people around him. He was very forgiving, unless they totally crossed him. And I think he learned that with them, even though he he, he assumed because he was the leader that they would follow him no matter what. And then, of course, they didn't. Even right. Oily, who was his apprentice, if you want to call it that, even he ultimately betrayed him. And John wasn't expecting that. And so now I think he'll look at everyone a lot more cautiously. Yeah, which is which is a good thing for him anyway. Right. But yeah. Okay. So the next scene right. was a, a fairly short scene. Is with uh, Sam and Gilly. We finally see them again, uh, and they're on a boat across the what, narrow was sea. It, was it was it wrong of me when she's looking through the porthole or whatever? I go, who the hell is that? <laughs> oh, that's I, Gilly. I I, for, I forgot about Gilly. 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 I, I I forgot about her. Even though they they showed him in the you know the uh, previous on uh, Game of Thrones, yeah. I'm like going, it's been a while. I go, who's that? And to be fair, from that angle, you really couldn't tell who it was. No, nah, it's pretty clear. I was like, oh, Sam and Gilly. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like a, I'm it's, just, I'm just being honest. Uh, so Sam am I. Chapters, yeah, Sam chapters are always my least favorite because Sam doesn't really do much except whine. <laughs> but for some reason, <laughs> right, I was he, actually a little happy to see him. I was like, hey, we haven't seen Sam in a while. Let's see what he's he, up to. He puked. He did puke. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a classic a, Sam move. Is it me? Mo- are they getting more graphic on TV with the puke? Is it like they, they figured out a way to just make it look seem so realistic? It wasn't chunky, though. It was just liquid. But that can be the worst, though, liquid, because it, spr- it just sprays out. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make me squeamish, but I know my wife gets squeamish. She doesn't like Game of Thrones, but there seems like a lot of shows she watches now. She goes, oh, why do they have to do that? And she gets sque- I know a lot of people get squeamish over vomit. It doesn't mm-hmm. bother me. I can watch it all day long, but... I do actually. I sit down and yeah. watch vomit videos all day. I, I I put it on a there's a YouTube video. It's all vomit. Uh, I'm more vomit like pulsating blood. Like if you cut the uh, in the neck or something, and the blood's just shooting out. That's more than vomit. Is uh, are we uh, as far as the books go? Are we past where um, Sam and Gilly are? No. Uh, so there's there's a, there's a few storylines left. Sam and Gilly. Uh, Arya's got a little bit yeah. left. Uh, there's a couple more. I've got it written down my notes. Okay. But there's uh, there's a few that still have a little ways to go. They, like Cersei, they've they've kind of fast forwarded, and then now they're backtracking on some of these little subplots. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're nothing. Well, they're they're important, but they're not like oh my god, you know. But they're they're things that the viewers need to know in order to set up what should happen later. Mm-hmm. Um. But Sam, yeah, like I said, Sam's getting sick, he's throwing up, and Gilly is excited. She wants to see Old Town, which is a... Uh, I don't see how you can be that excited when you have your, your yeah. guy there, just head in a bucket. Just but, <laughs> but what did she come from? Yeah, that's, true. that's true. That's true. I mean, what has she been through her whole life? I mean, her dad, you know. No, no I, mean, I mean, just like, how can you be so happy when someone's so miserable sitting right next to you? <laughs> but that's classic Gilly, though. You know, that's, yeah. that's, the kind of the, that's kind of their... their repartee between each other um so it it works in that sense um but uh yeah i i I feel bad for though because she can't she's going to be basically left with um sam's crappy family right yeah um exactly 
and when she's excited, he goes to Old Town. Sam kind of says the Citadel, which is where he's because he's learned to be a maester, doesn't allow women. To which she wants to argue, well, I was allowed at Castle Black, uh, and he's like, well, I don't have the connections there. Um, but ends. Yeah, I don't have. Yeah. I don't have Jon Snow helping me out, man. Yeah. So, uh, and then she kind of stubbornly says, "Well, fine, I'll just stay in Old Town." And he says, "No, I'm going to send you to Horn Hill, which is where his family is from. Which is they're going to the Reach or uh, the Tyrells land, uh, which is in the southwest part of Westeros." Mm-hmm. Is Sam is Sam always cold? Cold. Cold because he always has that big old jacket on. Oh, no, no, ma- no matter no matter where he's at, maybe just makes well, him feel comfortable. Stu- he is from he, the south, which is traditionally more warm, but uh, so that could be the excuse why he's got the okay. coat on. I, if I see him walking through the desert with that big old coat on, I'm I'm, <laughs> a, I'm, a, I'm throwing I'm gonna throw the challenge flag. It's black. It's slimming. You know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but if you remember, this is, this should be a pretty good when they finally get to Horn Hill because Sam's father hates him. You know that's yeah. why he sent him to the black is because he was fat and he was a coward. Right. And uh, so he it probably will not be a welcome return, even though they're going to, uh, like, a, as it, what even Gilly said, you know, this is my, you're my baby's father. But, you know, Sam's so not the same, but he's not mm-hmm. the same guy he was when he left. That's very true. He's no longer a cow. I don't think he's no longer a coward. I think he's, he, I think that's going to, you're saying, I think there's going to be some friction there. I think he tells his dad off. Maybe that would be a, a really welcome. I, I think he puts his dad in his place. That'd be nice. I don't know. Like I think they've already shown the actor playing his father. I think he's a pretty big dude. So we'll see. That should be uh, pretty interesting. Well, Sam has a big dude, and he has that big jacket. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think Sam's dad better back off. Agreed. And plus, plus he'll do anything for Gilly. Yeah, he will. I mean, like uh, he's definitely they definitely love each other. And uh, like she said, uh, she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to leave Sam. But she says, if you think it's what's best, then we trust you. So uh, that's a clear indication that Gilly is willing to to live with Sam's family. And on to the uh, the scene that everyone was anticipating, uh, which was the Tower of Joy scene. And it's clear this is one of Bran's visions from the beginning, because you see uh, the Three-Eyed Raven and Bran standing there as they watch Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of Morning, sharpening his sword. Um, and this is one of the things that I know that I've seen that some people got a little mad about, mm-hmm. because... Uh, Sir Arthur Dane is legendary. He's one of the best swordsmen in the, in the entire Westeros. And he had one sword, which is a Valerian steel, the same way Jon Snow has a Valerian steel sword. Uh, and so did Ned. It was called Dawn. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, he's fighting with two swords, which is never written about. Which, it's not a really a big deal, that's why I'm talking about it here. And I'm, I wondered if it's just because they were trying to show off the skills of this actor, sword skills, or if it was a way just to, sh- to kind of prove to the audience that he actually was a very good swordsman. Well, I, I think about it from just the sense of if he's t- what, he took on like 10 people or something. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you'd need some extra blades to kind of pull off that mm-hmm. type of fight. Um, but So it, you said it's uh, Don is his Valyrian sword's name? Yeah, the Sword of the Morning uh, was a title passed on to the Dane family, whoever was uh, deserving of it. Mm-hmm. So, and their sword was called Dawn. Uh, and it's just, and I don't know if we might see it, might not, but I know that the legend anyway, because we've seen that Bran here was is shown something different than what he knew of what yeah. happened. Uh, supposedly, 
uh, Ned brings this legendary sword to Dorne to give it to the Dane family. So we might see that in a future vision. We might not. Um, yeah, because because uh, it, it's not that sword's not in circulation now, is it? That we know of. That's it. Not that we know of. It's probably just still sitting with that family down in Dorne. Okay, but we'll need it come uh, White Walker time. Yes, that's very true. Because uh, it's one of the few that can cut through them. So. Hey, can I say that young Ned, they did a great job casting young Ned. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah. the same jawline, same kind of yeah. Irish accent. It was great. It, it, it was hair. Pretty, his hair was, it was just like, great job on the uh, Once I young saw Ned. the hair, I was like, hey, it's young Ned. Yeah. I, I knew exactly who it was. But, you know, like with all the, I guess it, would be, it probably costs too much, but uh, movies recently have done like this thing where they make people look younger. Um, like their their younger selves, and uh, it was recently done in Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, where it was like, "Holy crap, that looks like mm. that person twenty years ago." Um, Spoiler alert! Well, I'm not gonna <laughs> say who it was. You'll just see it when well, you see the movie. I, I, if I look at the cast, I can figure out who it is. Okay. Um, but well, actually, you saw that movie, Nick, right? That was amazing. I did. It uh, was a very good movie. Uh, but um, but it's cool that they got an actor that looked like him. It's probably cheaper anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, in this sense, uh, we always think of Ned as this pious, honorable person, um, but he kind of did what needed to be done and, and allowed somebody to stab him in the back uh, to win the uh, match because he was definitely going to lose. Right. That's right. one of the things that you that, that they did a good job of ex- at least showing the audience that the only two survivors are Hal and Reed and Ned Stark, and, and that they actually point that out, that Mira, the girl that's with Bran, that's her father. So the only living person that actually was there that knows the truth is her father. Oh, wow. Uh, so that's also might have been why the children of the forest said that to her. It's like, Bran will need you once he leaves here because he needs to go find her father if something is revealed in that tower that no one else knows. Oh, okay. Got it. Interesting. The plot mm-hmm. thickens. Yeah. Well, can you blame but, him though? He's he was trying to save his sister, so it's kind of like okay. Exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. So Bran a, and everybody at home wanted to see more, but the three hour even took him took him away. Uh, will we get to see more? Do you think, or is that the extent of what we're going to see here? Well, I mean, we will see it. I mean, this scene, uh, which is actually you know in the stays in the books, but it's okay. This <laughs> scene um, was one of Ned's fever dreams that he had in the bed when he got stabbed in the leg by uh, Jamie Lannister in season one. Yep. So this was his. This whole scene was his dream except for the fight. But you see all the things led up to it and you hear the screaming of Lyanna up in the tower and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of, that was one of the most gripping little parts in that chapter of book one that everyone always wanted to know more about because it just left you there and you don't know anything about it other than things that you hear whispers in, in Ned's ears. Mm-hmm. I know so, I was reading something on this scene. Somebody said it, uh, some critics said it, or some bloggers said this, this is when Game of Thrones became The Walking Dead. I said, come on, because they didn't show you with, give you the answers you wanted to oh, hear. Oh, it's not even close to that. I said, come, I said, come on, people. Come cool. on. Well, it is a little bit of a cop-out that, uh, you know, like I said, like last week, it's kind of like log-on, long-off brand, where... They can do that now. They had that excuse of the three-eyed crow can just end any scene he wants by saying, you've seen too much, and then <laughs> that's it. You're like, no! No! I, I get it that it's kind of the lost ending of just like, Poof! Or like 
But yeah, again, I, I, but again, like if you show it all there, you're kind of you're wasting it essentially. So, you know, I I I don't think it's a bad thing. It, I don't think it was to me. I feel like uh, Walking Dead. What they do is uh, exploitive. Um, what this is more just uh, in time. Hey, hold on, hold on a second. You don't watch The Walking Dead. You can't. But from what I've heard, it just seems like okay. We well, that's what this. I heard. Well, that's what I heard. We just need to stretch this thing out. This is more like in in good time you will find this out. It's too early to find out this bit of mm-hmm. information. It'll be more impactful when we find out later. Right. Well, yeah. The Walking Dead is also very linear. It's just to me, it's just a big, long Western. That's all The Walking Dead is. Instead of Indians or really bad train robbers, you have zombies, and that's it. And just you're just continuing their path in a straight line. Whereas in Game of Thrones, is multiple stories all happening at the same time. It's just it's a totally different way of storytelling. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, so we do hear though Leona screaming, Rams to no more, and director says no, sums them out. But before they leave, though, Bran yells out, Father, and you can see that, that Ned stops. Yeah. Which is very interesting, because you don't know. Like, did he actually hear Father, or did, as the Three-Eyed Raven said, maybe it was just the wind he heard? And that's something that we still don't know. Like, is he actually getting through to them, or is it just a whisper? Is it some kind of weird, tensioned feeling? Yeah, and, it's, it's, that's... So can he affect the past? Like, it's very interesting. And that's what I think the Three-Eyed Raven is trying to teach him is, like, you know, the past is already written. No matter what you do, you can't change the past. Mm-hmm. But what if by something Bran tries to do makes the past worse, though? Or what if by thinking he can, he actually inspires the events that happen? Uh, which is an interesting way to think about it. Because, like, we don't know for sure, even in the books, if he actually can hear. If it's just, or if it's just, like you said, is it just the wind? Mm-hmm. Well, there was... An- out, out, an outtake scene. They said because young Ned said that's impossible. I use protection. <laughs> oh Lord, I'm but, sorry. Uh, I, I had to try no, something. No, I was pretty crappy. <laughs> well, he's, he, he's uh, come on. Y- why would young Ned say, "Father"? Uh, uh, yeah. No. I would. I would even turn around. Burr, 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 burr. Uh, that's that's not for me. <laughs> Boo, hiss, hiss. Yeah. Um, it's it's the best I come in such short noise. <laughs> Better have nothing. <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, gets a oh, you know what? I, I heard on The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. 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 We're, we're derailing Nick here. Uh, no, that's okay. Uh, Bran uh, gets a little defensive. You know, He's like, I don't want you to waste away here. I want to, to be there. I don't want to be consumed by a tree and he and those red ravens like i didn't want to either but i was waiting for you so there's definitely an importance that bran has that the three-eyed crow couldn't do mm-hmm. which we don't know yet and he says you will not be here forever but you must learn everything and so you'll you know this is clearly he's going to show him or show the audience the things we need to know that are important that no one else can know yeah, and he's, I mean, and the reassurance that he's not going to be the old man in the tree at least gives him something, right? Kind of? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of, like, don't worry. I mean, I won't be able to help you walk again, but, uh, sorry, but I hope this way. Anyway. Yeah. Um, the next thing we see is also a, a fairly, uh, 
short scene, it's uh, Danny entering uh, via Dothrak, which is the capital of the Dothraki people. She's taken into a hut where all the old Khaleesi's are kept. And um, she's stripped of her clothes. And did you guys think for just a half a second that they were going to burn her? She's playing around with all the fire around, and, and they're just getting rid of her clothes. And I was thinking, oh, they're going to try to burn her, and then nothing's going to happen. They're going to freak out. But I don't know. Did you guys think that at all? Um, no, I mean, I, I thought it would been interesting. I kind of had a, that, a similar sense, like, oh, man, they should try to burn her in this show. You don't mess with me because I can still live. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good call-out. Um, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah it, it would have been, been interesting to see. But I don't, I don't know if they'll do that again. Uh, yeah, I think, oh, I think they're going to try to do that later. But maybe um, it says uh, she's the, the so old... So you're saying it's foreshadowing then what we saw, maybe? Yeah, like, well, I'll go ahead and get to it. I, I, that made me wonder <clears throat> with all this, because she's saying that the uh, all the Calisars have to decide on her fate. It made me kind of wonder, will they try to burn her again? Because they don't know that that she is fire resistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what will happen if, she, if they do try to burn her or try to kill her? Like, will the dragons come to her rescue or Jorah get there in time? Or by her not burning will all of a sudden all these Dothraki, this huge army now, rally to her, kind of the same way at the end of season one, all the Dothraki that were there who witnessed her being immortal rallied to her. Uh, it's a very interesting end of this story with Danny this season. Mm-hmm. Like, will it kind of go back to the beginning and now she has this new Dothraki army to possibly go down and conquer, reconquer Marine again or the Young Kai or Astapor? Yep. It it uh, it'll be interesting to see. That's definitely true. I didn't even. I, to be honest, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the worst. Didn't even think. Well, I'm just saying. I didn't think about it. I'm, just, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Come on, Jack. <laughs> oh, you know what? I did think about that. So, you know, <laughs> I uh, my, be yeah. honest with my. I was thinking. I go. Well, she said she's doing no more nude scenes. The actress. I go. Because like, obviously, they took a clip, but they didn't show her. So I was. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Maybe that's what I was thinking about. Hey, listen, you go, girl. You don't need to freaking show your you skin. Don't. You don't. You don't. I'm just saying, but I, I forgot about the whole burning thing. I was like, well, Nick started talking. I, go, I didn't even think about that. <sighs> That's why we have Nick on the show. Yeah. Even I, I'm, I'm an idiot, and I knew that. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you knew that. You didn't bring it up. No, but I knew that if she was no, burnt no, alive, I, 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 she bur- I No, I know she, I know the whole burn, but I wasn't thinking that is what I'm saying. <sighs> All right. Sorry, Nick but- continued. <laughs> Well, there's definitely some other thoughts like uh, that I was curious about, like, you know, why are all these cows, Khaleesi's, uh, uh, why are they all stuck together? Is it because, because she kind of says that, you know, why didn't you come join us? And she's like, because I was meant to go out into the world. And she's like, we all thought that. We all thought that we yeah. were going to conquer the world. Yeah. And I wondered if it's because maybe they all had that taste of power at some point in their lives and they keep them there because rival women or these ex-queens could overthrow the Kalasars or, or something. Ah, okay. I, I, I think that's exactly why they do it, because women, you know, are you know, second-class citizens in that group, so... Yeah. Nah, that's a good call. Because that's what I was thinking. Because I, I that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, why are they all kept in one big bunch? But that's perfectly a uh, perfect explanation there. Yep. Nick? That was the only thing I could think of, so I was just trying to brainstorm. I thought Jay had the answers because he knows them all, but... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Anyways... 
But uh, on to Marine uh, with berries, and I really liked this scene. I thought it was a really well-written uh, polit- politics way of, of getting a, a spy or, or getting someone to confess yeah. without having to torture. Because uh, you have uh, Varys talking to this just common citizen woman, and uh, she she asks him like anyone would who's been brought in, like, "Are you going to torture me?" And he says, "No," because I want the right answers. Torturing will only give me the wrong answers. I and how will I get them? By making people happy. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you, you make me this, this whole scene made me curious. I was like, "Okay, how's he going to make her happy?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, he goes, "I know what you've done." Uh, you helped murder the unsullied and the second sons. And uh, she replies, yeah, because they're foreigners here to conquer and erase our history. And then he wisely says, yes, I see that from your perspective. But it's important that you try to see things now from my perspective. Uh, so the way I'm going to try to make you happy is to help you and Dom, which is her son. And naturally, you would think that he's threatening her son, but he's not. He, uh, he says, your son's not in danger. He goes, but... If you continue this route, you know what the penalty is for killing the queen's soldiers and her men. So her options right now is that she's going to die. And then she said, I can't tell you anything because they'll kill me. So now she has two ways that she's going to die. She says, nope, but there's a third option. Because you can go to Pentos and I'll even throw in a bag of silver. So you need to decide, a new life or death. It's a pretty decent bag of silver, too. Yeah. It was a big chunk of silver. God. But I thought that was so brilliantly done. I mean, because... She basically he gave her, her her three options, and she only had one really, and that's it. And I was like, wow, like Varys is really smart because that that would make me want to confess everything. That's why it's great with him and Tyrion are are matched up because they're both very clever and smart and know how to play people. Right. Without I mean, neither one is a very violent person. They're they're not very violent. You know, they're not they're not imposing. They're not like someone you'd look and go, I'm afraid of you. But they they use their words and their brains to get what they want. Well, yeah, and it's just because it's also kind of the first time we really kind of got into his process, if you will. Like, how does because uh, then uh, is the scene right after we see his his birds um, right. being uh, used by somebody else? But um, it was kind of interesting to see his process and see how he gets the information that he gets. I thought it was really cool. I really, really liked the scene. Yeah, it was just great. It, it, the thing is, that it went from really good writing, I thought, in that scene. To, I thought a scene that really kind of fell flat with uh, Tyrion, Grey Worm, and, and Missandei. That was. I'm agree. I'm agree with you. I, that scene was not necessary, other than to have Tyrion in the episode. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I felt. I was like, okay, because they were kind of rehashing the same way he met uh, Shay, because that was yeah. the game that he played with her. Like That's you drink true. and guess. Yeah. And and because you know Tyrion right now there's nothing left in the book and they're kind of just winging his dialogue and it it seems to me like they don't know how to quite capture Tyrion and how to and the wit that he has to what he says. And this was really just, you know, okay, Grey Worm's talking about patrol, lots about patrol and and then the games and then it's like, "Oh, well, us women played games." Like, "Oh, no, not those games." Uh <laughs> and that was it. And then the drinking and I was like, okay, it was just a waste. Yeah, it again. Uh, I, I honestly believe it was just to get Tyrion in the episode. Yeah, because he's so, a he's a pop he's a popular character, and when he's not in there, people get complained. So let's try to make let's try to have some comic relief. And it it wasn't very funny. It fell flat, like Nick said. Yeah. So so does yeah, that I'll, does that make except you for can, the except for the wine constantly changing? Yeah, <laughs> if it weren't for that, I would have forgot all about the scene. Uh, <laughs> does that make you concerned as a fan of the books and stuff that? 
they don't really know where to go with uh, Tyrion right now, or it's just too early to tell? Well, no, I, I think they have an idea of what they're going to do with Tyrion. Because uh, I think they, like I said earlier in an earlier podcast, I think they're blending a couple of other characters into his storyline because it's just they need something for him, and these other characters weren't that important. But as in- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And actually how to write his dialogue is a challenge for them, I think. Yeah. Because uh, I mean, Tyrion does, he has that really great wit and he just has that ability to see through people and without... George R. R. Martin actually writing those lines for the the writer, the show writers to actually, you know, convert them. It's a, a hard, harder thing to do. So do they do they have to kind of call in uh, the big guns and have George R. R. help with the dialogue a little bit? I don't think he is because I mean he hasn't written an epi- he didn't written an episode in the last two seasons. So I think he uh, I think they're on their own. Well, if he's watching the, if he watched this last episode, maybe he gave him a call. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> guys, guys. I I think you need some help here. But uh, I mean, but, but you know, then Barry's enters, <clears throat> and this is really the whole port, purpose of this little scene before. And he has the information from this uh, this woman now that everything behind the rebellion is from the masters of the cities of Yunkai and Astapor, along with the slavers of Volantis. Uh And then, of course, uh, Masandi and Grey Worm are a little bit fearful. They say well, they only know one language, which is, I guess, to fight. They don't really actually say what it is, but you assume what it is. It's just violence. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tyrion leaves it with a cliffhanger saying, can we get birds to these masters? And Varys says yes. So you don't know. Are they going to bribe them? Are they going to put some fear into them with the dragons? We don't know, but they're going to try to put an end to this rebellion for sure. It'll be uh, fun to see. But I just I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like they might be playing with fire still. I don't know if it's going to work out so well. That's just my gut. What my yeah. gut's telling me. <laughs> Uh, then on to King's Landing, uh, we see Kyburn uh, inspecting these little children, and uh, one, <clears throat> I guess he, you could uh, uh, safe to assume that he had his father killed because he was abusing a child, and then one behind the kids asks, will Lord Varys come back? And he says, no. Uh, then the other kid responds with, he called us his little birds, and he gave us sweets. So we're seeing what you're saying, like uh, how Lord Varys how his system worked. He got kids to be right. his little birds and spies. And that makes perfect sense because how often do you actually pay attention to a child, you know, because they, they're just playing or they're doing whatever. They're the best spies. Yep. Right. Uh, and Kyburn uh, uh, offers them, he says, oh, I actually found a whole uh, boxes of full of sweets and gives them all to the kids and says, now, if you want more, all you have to do is bring me whispers. 
So the same system that Barry set up is now working for Kyburn. Yep. Uh, enters in Sir Robert Strong, a.k.a. The Mountain, along with Jamie and Cersei. And this is a pretty nice little humorous scene, I thought, as well. Like, you have Jamie kind of looking at the mountain going, does he understand what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, he understands. And then he gets, the mountain kind of gets a little insulted and just looks at him really quickly. He's like, yeah. oh. Well he, well, he said it's not like he understood before. Yeah, he couldn't read sentences he, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then he's like, well, if he understands, then just have him charge into the sept and kill the high sparrow and let's get done with. Uh, to which Cersei very intelligently responds, like, no, there's too many. I mean, the, the High Sparrow has his own army now, which is of her own making. And said, there's too many for Sir Gregor to take on. Uh, they, we only need to face one person, because she knows that she's not going to go back to the Sept. They're going to uh, charge her with some kind of crime, which she's going to uh, demand a trial by combat, to which now the Mountain will defend her. Uh, and then she looks at uh, Kyburn again and says, I want... Uh, birds in every major town in Westeros. So if there's any kind of gossip about me, I want to know about it. They're going to the mountains smash their head in the wall. Exactly. Yeah. He's good at that. <laughs> <clears throat> and then another, uh, the next scene I thought was pretty interesting too, we have it on the small council, and uh, we see Master Pycelle once again criticizing the existence of Kyburn because he was expelled from the, the Maesters in Old Town and that he wants uh, that it should be a good idea to dispose of the mountain, uh, Sir mm-hmm. Robert Strong, because I mean he is—he's basically a zombie. Yeah. But I love this as he's as he's talking, enters Jamie, Cersei, and the mountain, <laughs> and I no one noticed it except me, and then I did see a few other people like tweeting about it. I am ninety nine percent positive when Maester Pycelle turns and notices the mountain there, he farts. <laughs> yes, he does. He does fart. Yeah, um, because I I watch it with subtitles and then it actually put on the subtitle he parts. So that was that. Was yeah, a fart. okay. I I did hear that then. There was a fart. I I, I go. Did I hear a fart? <laughs> it was a thing. All right. So I wasn't I wasn't just imagining it. The I, fart I feel is confirmed. <laughs> oh, uh, but that's uh, that little bit of humor. <laughs> uh, Sir Kevin Lannister, who was Tywin's brother is now the acting hand. He asks if he can help Cersei and Jamie who've entered. Uh, and then Cersei ignores him and looks at the Queen of Thorns and demands, like, why is she here? Uh, and she kind of arrogantly answers back, because I was asked to help, such as the Queen's imprisonment. And Cersei kind of shows you how cocky she is. She assumes that she's the Queen. She's like, oh, thank you for her concern. And you know, the uh, Queen of Thorns goes, you're not the Queen. Marjorie is the Queen, because you're not married to the King. You know, <laughs> although I can understand your confusion with your family. Uh, is, <laughs> that was a great. That one. was a good. Zinger. Great burn. I know. <laughs> anyone uh, notice? Anyone notice that when Jamie dragged the chair over, it was similar to what Tyrion did? Right. God, I didn't. I know I didn't. That's a good call out. I said, I go. He's dragging that chair the same way Tyrion did. But also, only has one hand, so it's he has to drag it, which might okay. also be a, a point there to emphasize. Okay. I just, I just thought it was. Okay, it's a good call out, no doubt. What I'm just saying. Got to ruin everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Sir Kevin uh, once again says, uh, speaks up and says, "You're not on the small council. You have no right to be here." And then Jamie says, "I'm the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Of course, I am on the small council." 
and Jamie and Cersei just automatically pull up the chairs. And Jamie, uh, I mean, which is it's good business things to bring up. He's like, what about the murder of Marcella? And the, now but the same murder is overthrown Dorne. We have to discuss this. And Cersei says, you can't make it leave, to which Sir Kevin just says, yes, but you can't make it stay either. And then they leave. So it was definitely a power struggle for sure. Yeah. I'm rubber, you're, uh, you're glue. Whatever you say to me bounces off in six hours. <laughs> and so he's already appealing to Tommen's softer side. And, uh, and softer so side isn't like, all of his sides pretty soft? That's true. That's very true. He's, yeah. But I mean, that's something he's trying to, that's something, but he's trying to be stern. He's trying to be a king, as you've seen. Like, yeah, he wants yeah. to be strong. But, I mean, the High Sparrow is really just, he's hitting him in those weak points every time. Yes. Uh, he says, I just don't understand why you're trying to put her through more of this, not really torture, but why you're trying to run her to the ground. And he goes, it's not me. It's what the gods want. So once again, he's just diverting the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and then... No, no, no. If I, it was my choice, I'd let her in there any time. But it's no. not my call. <laughs> Um, but then it, uh, they even uh, Tom even points it out. What the what the uh, High Sparrow says next is, you know, a true leader surrounds himself with the wisest counsel, and none are wiser than the gods. And Tommen actually this resonates with Tommen because Tywin almost said this verbatim to him once he became king, is that you know you need to listen to people who have had more experience because that's how you'll be a good ruler. Don't think you're the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And once again, the High Sparrow says, see, even the gods work through your grandfather the way they work through your mother. And so you can see, and then now we must do what we can to bring up the goodness in each other. So you're seeing here, like, you know, Tommen is very easily swayed uh, to BS, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but he's young. Think, like, go ahead, Jack. Well, he's young. I mean, he's, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it made me think, like, do you think, because I think it would be interesting, because uh, you already see Marjorie, she's in prison, and she was kind of buying into what the High Sparrow was saying a couple episodes ago, and now you see Tommen kind of buying into it a little bit. Do you think that the king and the queen will end up siding on the High Sparrow side, but then Cersei and Jamie, along with... Uh, the Tyrell army, you've already seen it in the previews, like some of these, that they actually march your army up to the steps. So you kind of wonder, like, will Cersei and Jaime actually go to war against their own son? Just a thought. It would be, it would, I, it's a cool call out because I think it would be an interesting, uh, or at least a, in terms of the drama of the story, I think it would be an interesting turn of events. So mm-hmm. I, I, think it's, I think it's a good call out. So, uh, on to Bravos, and Arya is still blind and is still in Daredevil training, uh, <laughs> taking a beating by the waif. Uh, and but we see uh, a nice little kind of montage, though they didn't just kind of drag this out. Yeah, of, yeah. Which I thought was nice uh, of her starting to learn to use other senses. You see her using her smell and feel. And she's learning how to be blind, and, and yep. uh, then you're also at the same time getting questions from the waif about her family, <clears throat> and she's struck because she actually says, "I have four brothers." Because Arya has always 
considered John to be her brother. She never saw the difference the way uh, Sansa and the other ones did. Like, John was right. her brother, no questions asked. And so she had to kind of revert on that. I just think it's an interesting point. Yeah. Uh, she's also questioned about the Hound, and Arya says, I left him for dead. He was on my list, but not anymore. So the wife says, you sound confused, because I was. So you're seeing that Arya is becoming no one. She's becoming focused now. She's learning how to be this assassin. Uh, and then she asks who else is on the list, and she says, and it seems a few more names, and says, that's off the short list. Is there anyone else? And it made me think she's implying, the wife is implying, am I on your list? Because she's been beating the crap out of her for weeks. <laughs> that's, that, that's what I thought, too. I said, please put her on your list. Yes, please. please. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, so I, I, I will. A little bit of fan service here. Yeah, I can't. Sta- well, I can't stand her because she was enjoying it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it shows you how Arya is adapting. Because instead of saying "Yes, you're on my list," she just says, "Which name would you like a girl to speak?" Right. Uh, so she's saying, "If you want to say your name," because she doesn't know her name. They're yeah. all nameless. So right. if you want to be on my list, then you have to speak your name. Yeah. Uh, and then you see it, Arya, finally, in the last little scene here, successfully defends herself against the waves by you know, raising the staff up and defending herself. So she's learned now how to use her other senses to defend herself. Uh, the waif then walks away, and Jack and Hargar appears once again and offers Arya her eyes if she will only speak her name. But she replies, a girl has no name. Um, it's like, all right, I think she passed the test. <laughs> what? I was like, all right, I think she passed the test. Yeah, you passed the test. And then Jack and leads her to the pool where, you know, everyone up until now has drank this uh, water. Uh, it's a gift of death. To which Arya, even though being blind, she realizes where she's at. And she pauses. Yeah, I don't, I don't need my eyes that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm able to defend myself now. I can, you know, we're cool. Yeah. Very good. But, you know, he does say that. He's like, you know, if you're truly no one, you have nothing to fear. And, you know, I, I really thought, because I, I mean, I, I always root for Arya. She's my favorite character. <clears throat> I've always thought that she never fully lets herself be no one. She always has a little bit of Arya in her. Mm-hmm. And I, so I kind of wondered if she would drink it or not, but she did. And uh, she, uh, she got her eyes back. Yay! Um, yeah, Which but made us you all guys, happy. You guys, yeah, do you guys think that she's really no one? Do you think she's really now? No, I think she's doing it to get along. Yeah to get by. I, like you said, she always has a plan. Well, yes and no. Like, It's not... It won't be the same as last time where she's just kind of doing it because it's something to do. Like, I feel like... No, she's... she's I, but I think she still has part of her in her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. It'll right. turn out that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. And then um, moving on to okay, <laughs> moving on to Winterfell. Uh, Ramsay Bolton is talking to uh, House Umber, which is actually uh, Little John Umber is his name. Um, this house has always been traditionally loyal to the House Stark, to which Ramsay points that out, and he says, "You have not pledged loyalty to the House Bolton yet. Why is this?" And uh, he, he uh, kind of smartly says, "Well, your dad was." A bad word. Yeah. (laughs) 
said, yeah, your, your dad was a see you next Tuesday, and uh, he's always been that way, and that's why you killed him. To which uh, Ramsey kind of, no, 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 because he was poisoned. He goes, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, you know, because I would have done the same to my dad, too, if he hadn't already died. Yeah. Um, but Ramsey still inquires as to why he's here. He says, because there's been a massive wildling army that moves south of the wall by Jon Snow, and if we don't unite, the wildlings could easily take over the north. So Ramsey thinks, oh, good, you need an alliance, which it works in Ramsey's favor because Ramsey's already been saying he wants to go up and kill Jon Snow. Win-win, uh, so as they say. Yeah, win-win, exactly. He goes, so just pledge allegiance to me, and we'll all go up and do some playing together. <laughs> and uh, uh, the guy, though, says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bend the knee. No, nope, not going to happen. So but he goes, however, I do have a gift for you. Uh, and it turns out it's uh, OSHA along with Rick and Stark. No! no. I had forgot all about him. Yeah, well, he had minutes at the end of season three. I, I know. I go, oh, come on. What and they killed his wolf. Come on. Yeah. What is yeah. with these Starks? Can they just not... Yeah. One more direwolf down to He got Shaggy Dog. <laughs> so how many, how many are left Seriously, now? Is there an issue with these Starks, how they just can't protect themselves? <laughs> well, it's, it's really... This is really a, a strange scene, because... In season three, Osha did say, "I'm going to go to Last Hearth, which is House Umber." Which is so that's they went there, and it makes no sense. Like, why all of a sudden did House Umber decide to betray them and turn them in? I mean, is it some kind of? Well, I think they're just they're afraid of this uh, wildling I, army that's going to come kill them. So they're kind of having to make and it's and it's John Snow, the bastard son of uh, Ned Stark, that did it. Yeah. Right. So they think that's why he said, "Okay, you're going to do that." Then. I'm going to betray your family because that's what everybody does to the Starks. Okay. I'll go with your wisdom there, Jack. <laughs> okay. Well, it's true. I mean, I, it, I would change my name. I'd be Arya. Yeah, I'm, I have no name. Mm-hmm. No name. Okay. And then um, the last little bit of the episode was we're back to the wall, and uh, Jon Snow is preparing to hang the, the leftover men that stabbed him, and uh, he hears their final words. And good old Orly, uh, to the end, is defiant. <laughs> and he kind of wanted him to say something, but no, he was just full of anger. Yeah. I really thought, because I said last week, I thought John would forgive him. Well, I was wrong. No, I mean, he was just a kid, but still, it's like, yeah, like, God. But you said he, he probably lo- he looked at him. If, if he would have said something like, you know, I, I didn't mean it, or, I think John would have forgiven him. But like you're saying, he is so full of piss and vinegar still that he said, all right, you're going. Yeah. You can swing with the rest of them. Yeah, which he does. Hmm. And they, uh, John cuts the rope, and uh, these four guys die. And then, like I said, like foreshadowing a little bit, he learned from Ned. At least that's the way I choose to view it. And he decides to give up the Lord Commander's coat to his friend Ed and says, you're in charge of Castle Black now because my watch has ended. Because uh, he did, he died. So that's the only, and it's in their vows. You know, only death can release you from his vows. And so he did die. So he's a free man. Yeah. So uh, what do you think's next for Jon Snow? Um, I hope it's not like uh, like seven episodes of him finding himself until he finally figures out what he's gonna do. 
Well, to like, be fair, he did die and come back from the dead. I get it. I, again, I totally get it. But I, get, I just I hope it's not, again, just him trying to find himself for a while. Well, I, I hope it, I hope we this isn't the like last we see. On. I hope this isn't the last we see him this season either. No, no. I mean, I mean, what, what's he, he's just like you said? Is he? You, you don't want to see him just walking around, you know, building a campfire, going, okay, <laughs> what, what am I gonna do? Okay, yeah. I mean, you don't want that. He's got to he's got to have some interaction with somebody. Yeah. Well, what, what, I, which direction does he go? Well, I think yeah, I think definitely the wildlings will probably follow him. He'll be their leader for a while, and then you forget you also have Brienne and Sansa heading north towards him. You have oh, Ramsay, yeah, yeah. You have Ramsay and possibly this army heading north to to meet him. So there's probably going to be a big battle at some so point. Does jo- so does Jon Snow kill Ramsay? It's very possible. I personally would like to see Theon kill Ramsay, but yeah, uh, that would be awesome. <clears throat> but I, I think. Uh, uh, it's looking anyway that Jon Snow might kill Ramsay. I could go with that. Yeah, I mean, really, is if anybody kills Ramsay, as long as it's slow and horribly painful, um, I'm pretty good with it. I think. But then again, no, also, I, I, I just want to. I want, no, he needs to be because you know what happens with slow, painful deaths; they always get out of it. Mm-hmm. So I no, do. No, 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 well, off, off with his head. That not like not like the uh, uh, Austin Powers slowly descend into a, a pool of uh, mildly ill-tempered sea bass. What do you want me to do? I want you to die, Mister Bond. I mean, I remember Goldfinger. Um, so, so no, I'm that. saying like you know, stab him, you know that kind of stuff, and just you know. But you think I don't think Ramsey feels pain? I don't think he it would bother him. You just need, you just need to someone like that. Just I think he's soulless. He does has no. He doesn't. It, it wouldn't bother him. You just need to kill him. Yeah. Losing it, losing his power would be knowing he's losing his power would be the the pain for Ramsey. Mm-hmm. But I, going on what we saw in this scene with the Umbers uh, not respecting him, I almost wouldn't be surprised if we get to that point where all these Northmen are not taking Ramsey seriously, and he snaps and probably starts trying to kill some of them too. To yeah. demand this loyalty, and we're going to get to that point where Jon Snow's there, Rickon Stark's there, Sansa Stark's there. So you have three Starks and Ramsay, who's the Mad Dog, and then all the Northmen just turn on him. Yeah, I mean, that, what about that what about what about, Sa- what about Sansa killing him? That could be a good one too. Uh, I'm yeah, just trying Sansa, to Sansa would be a nice vengeance uh or return a f- favor there yeah they I mean they capture him and she just stabs him yeah i don't know like I, I, i'm just trying to throw in a little bit of symbolism with ruse's last words about the mad dog you know yeah just, yeah no you're actually yeah, well, he, good he tried out. it's a v- great call out he tried warning him and, and that he that's who he is he's a mad dog yeah he's out of control and it, eventually someone like that will fail right agreed and that's the episode. Yes. Um, and we don't have any listener feedback today, but if you guys would like to call that in, you can always do so at 385-309-0311 or send us an email at lostpodcast at gmail.com, which means we are to the momentous occasion. What we what we teased in the beginning of the episode, uh, the <laughs> segment in which we uh, decipher uh, what was different from the books to what was on the screen. And as we go further and further beyond what has happened so far in the books... Um, it'll become more and more apparent in what is really important and maybe not so important. 
And that section is called What Happens in the Book Stays in the Book, where Nick Dunn breaks it down on what happened in this episode that makes sense or relates to books. Now, if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to know anything about books, you don't want to be spoiled in any such fashion in that sense, um, again, Nick keeps it as spoiler-free as possible. Uh, but if you do not want to hear any of this, you can just stop listening right now. And without any further ado, I'll let Nick take the floor. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, there was a little bit of stuff in here. You know, some stuff that was really small, like uh, Sam saying he had a sister. He actually has three sisters, which that stuff, to me, I usually leave out because it's not really that important. But uh, the, the Sam had a bit of a stuff because, like, Gilly, this is a very opposite of what happens in the books because Gilly is not happy on this boat in, <laughs> in book four book because she's never been on a boat. Why would she be happy on a boat? <laughs> um, is, is, is there any significance to that? Um, or is just a, can it just be a throwaway? No, like, no, there's another reason. Um, okay. One, because she's, you know, she's not happy. She's crying the entire time. And it's not because one, because yes, she's never been on a boat and she's scared for her life. But mostly it's because in, uh, the baby that she has is not her baby in the books. Uh, uh, oh. Mance Raider, who, you know, was the king above the wall, yep. uh, he also had a child. And uh, Malsandri wanted to burn that baby because it had king's blood, and we all saw the power of king's blood. So John orders Gilly to switch babies, and so her baby is still at the wall, and she has Mance Raider's baby. Uh, and so she's crying. Yeah, she's crying because, like, this is the only baby she's ever had. You know, it's her child, and now she'll probably never see it again. Mm-hmm. So she's literally just wailing the entire boat, you know, ride, and Sam's puking the whole time, and it's just a miserable, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the puking was still, in, it, that's in the book. That's still in the book, yeah. All right, that's good. Um, so that probably leads to maybe not a very enjoyable reading experience. Uh, so maybe that's why I don't like the chapters so much in the book. Right, because it's yeah, the books are just kind of you know they're they're kind of po- not pointless, but they're just like okay, I get it, they're miserable. Move on. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's still some stuff that happens later that's a little bit more happy because they're not the you know happy-go-lucky couple they are on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. they do have some times before they get to Castle Black that are nice, but after that, it's more caution and sam has to resume his duties and there he does have a crush on her but it's not the you never know that they like each other in the book mm-hmm. um and then also like the fact that she calls uh baby sam you know you, you know you're the father of my son she doesn't do that but obviously because it's not her kid and then two wildlings do not name their children until they're two years old because growing up in such a harsh environment they're most likely to die and they think of it as bad luck mm-hmm. if you name it before they're oh, two okay which was a common practice, uh, you know, in earlier times. I would, yeah, I'd think so. Uh, okay, and then on to the uh, the Tower of Joy scene. I, like I said earlier, this is not Brand's vision; it's Ned's fever dream. Yep. Um, oh, and also, in the book, we have not seen anyone or anything go back in time yet. We have seen Brand look through the trees onto things that are happening in the present, but not. We looked back in time. Past. It was it's episode one when he looked back and found that Hodor, you know, actually spoke and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean in the books though. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, in the books, they we still not I gone back in meant. time. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I fine. knew what you meant. I knew what you meant, Nick. 
<laughs> uh, you know, like I said, the fight scene is not in the books. It's just all the dialogue leading up to the fight and then Liana screaming out. Um, so what? basically now the thing is, is that we're going to need to decide soon, like, do you think Liana was kidnapped, as Robert and Ned have suggested, or did she go for free will? That's one of those things that it's just a d- dilemma. Like, we don't know. I think showing that, um, I can't remember the swordsman name now top of my head, but showing that he wasn't defeated by Ned shows that things aren't quite what they seem, which I think uh, the Three-Eyed Raven said, like, ten times. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that this is... That is a scene to validate the what they told about their his sister before isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. That, so I, that's my thought. I, you might probably have a similar thought. And, um, and going back to uh, to what I'd said earlier about Bran yelling out to Ned, um, it's one of those things that's just, a, I, this isn't mine. I, I don't know even remember where I heard it, but it's a really interesting way to think about it. It was that the Mad King, one of the reasons why he went mad is because he was hearing whispers all the time. Oh. And so it, it makes me wonder if oh. Bran will go back and see Brandon Stark, who he's named after, burned alive by the Mad King, and or see some of these other events, and he's yelling the whole time, and it's making the Mad King go mad. <laughs> and oh. like this, That's just one of those... That's one of those theories that I'm like, oh, that would be really cool. Like, if, if, if that's true, like, he's not really hearing what Bran is saying, but he's hearing these things, and he doesn't know how to interpret it, other than he's going so, crazy. So that's a perfect scene with that young Ned Stark. Right. Ah, I like that. That's, that's, yeah. That would be pretty darn cool. Um, also, has the Mad King been cast yet, or will we ever see the Mad King? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, he hasn't been cast as far as I know, but that could be something maybe next season if they decide to do that. I mean, that's it. Like, that's just a really cool idea. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be really well. Awesome. There had to be a reason why they showed Ned turning, being able to hear it. Young Ned being able to hear it. Mm. I mean, just cool. It, it, there has to be something leading up to that. So, I hope I hope it leads to that. Uh, that that's very cool. Yeah. Cool theory. Um, this is just a small little detail here, but like, you know, Cersei, only Cersei and Quiburn know the identity of Sir Robert the Strong as the mountain. Uh, in the book, no one knows who he is except those two, because they are the ones who sanctioned the experiment. I mean, because I think in reality... He's so people, big. I mean, kind of obvious, right? <laughs> it is kind of obvious. But I think because like in the book or at least in that world, if you actually made a zombie, they would probably kill you. So <laughs> they just... Uh, yeah, that's true. It's a technicality, but it's just one of those things that no one knows his name. Um, this is something that they might do in a different way with Arya, uh, but I like it the way they did in the books better. Like Arya's story is almost backwards, the way they've shown it. Um, the whole blindness thing happens early on, but while she's blind, she's having, because she can't see anything, she's constantly having dreams, or at least what she thinks are dreams, of Nymira, which is her dire wolf that she let go in season one. And she doesn't realize it, but she's actually warging into it uh, the same way Bran wargs into his oh. dog. Oh, okay. And she's, she's seen these dreams and she doesn't know what to make of it, but she still has a little bit of control over it. So 
she learns that she's blind, that she also can warg into other things. And so in these fighting scenes in the book, she actually starts to warg into animals, mostly cats, that are around her, and that's how she ends up being able to fight with the staff, is she's using all these animals' eyes to be able to counter the, oh, okay. the trainer. I always thought that was really cool in the book. Maybe they just didn't want to show it. Uh, and they, they still could in future episodes, but that's how she defeats her. Well, it's not her, it's a guy, actually, in the book, but that's how she wins and then gets her sight back. Interesting. What do you, what do you think it is? So they didn't want to show a guy beating a blind girl? Well, he's an old man. Like He's called the, the kindly man. Mm-hmm. Which okay. is, she doesn't have, she has the waifs in the book, and um, the other guy is not. He, he's just an old guy. Gotcha. At least that's what she knows him as, is an old guy. Gotcha. Yeah, probably not. You know, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have, a, don't have a man yeah, beating up on a girl. Nah, that probably wouldn't go well. But, uh, okay, and then um, this was just really strange, too, a little bit. Um, great John Umber, uh, you know, the Umbers who's talking to uh, Ramsey, mm-hmm. that guy. Great John Umber is actually still alive. You know, he says his father's dead, but he's actually alive. In the book, he was taken prisoner by the phrase at the Red Wedding. However, the guy we see on the show is actually dead, who died in the Red Wedding. So I don't know why they chose to switch that around, but they huh. did. Okay. The Umbers actually do, because you know, he's saying in the show, like, we don't bend the knee. But actually, the Umbers do bend the knee to the Boltons in the book, because their lord is captured by the phrase. So they have to get in league with the Boltons. And it's just one of those technicality things that they switched it up for some reason. Interesting. And then lastly, um, Osha and Rickon, this is, another, this is another divergence from the book. I think it's probably just to save time and not to, because they're trying to streamline to the end of the show now. Mm-hmm. Osha and Rickon are on the island of Skagos, which is um, in the, it's an island just off of Westeros in the north. Uh, they're rumored to be there, because, uh, uh, and they're never, they never were captured by the Umbers, but the Manderleys, which is another powerful northern family, is the ones who knows where they're at, and they, they meet with Davos, and say, if if you go find Rickon, then we'll align with you against the uh, uh, the Boltons. And so that's what Davos is doing in the book right now. He's going to this island to, to retrieve Rickon in order to give the Northern Lords uh, proof that the Starks are still alive. Interesting. Oh, all right. And that's, good, that's uh, good stuff. Every, everything for this episode that you need to know. That's good. That's good stuff. Thank you, sir. Uh, again, it's yeah. my favorite part of uh, of the program, so thank you very much uh, for yeah. giving us those details. Um, all right. Well, that is it for this week's Game of Thrones with Jay, Jack, and Nick. If you'd like to give us a call, you can at 385-309-0311. And uh, you call can anytime. also uh, send us an email to lostpodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Jane Jack group. You can find us on Twitter at Jane Jack. Or if you want to follow me, it's at Luke Vank. Or if you want to follow Jack, it's at Crackpot Jack. Nick, do you have a Twitter handle for people to follow you? Yeah, Nicholas81. So at Nicholas81. I'm going to guess you're born in 1981. Just a psychic thought there. Um, and uh, we want to send a special thanks again to all of our patrons, especially Tack from Tokyo, Eckhart Richter, and Brad from Chicago. Thank you very much for contributing a significant amount. And I'd like to apologize because I forgot to thank those three on the Dancing with the Stars podcast. Amateur. 
Um, <laughs> I, if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me go, and there's one more thing. And your mom said something, and I go, I can't remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> sure, blame your wife. That's always no. A good I, way to I go. no. I said, and she'll still say she kind of looked at me, and I go, I uh, can't remember what it is. Uh, but when you said that, I go, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, also, again, uh, if you want to sign up for Loot Crate, this month's theme is power. Power. Uh, you can sign up today at lootcrate.com/slash/jane/jack. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for an all-new episode of Game of Thrones to discuss. So until then, hasta luego, and goodbye. Bye.